Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Da, da, da. Jenny apologizes. Ready, Jenny? Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media of our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. Today, we continue our look at Walnut Grove with Little House on the Prairie, Season 3, Episode 7, the poorly titled Journey into the Spring, Part 2. Jen? The description reads, although he is struggling with his wife's death, Lanford adjusts well in Walnut Grove and bonds with everyone in the family, especially Laura. Unfortunately, another tragedy threatens to tear them apart just when things are starting to look up. As per Jenny, usual. Jenny, repeat after me. Lansford. What do I call him? Lanford. Lansford. Lansford. I don't know. I don't. He's Pa. He's Pa's Pa. <laughs> it's the hierarchy of Pa's here. <laughs> yeah, it gets crazy. It gets crazy. I text Jenny when we were about halfway through the episode. I was halfway through the episode. I'm like, this is nuts. I have two questions. Okay. No, I only have, I have a statement and a question. This is directed and written by Michael Landon, just so we're all aware. Mm-hmm. And why is Mr. Edwards, Victor French, still a guest star? Why is it say that guest must starring? be in his contract? I don't understand why that's better. Does that make it like you're a bigger star? Yeah, and you know how I learned that. Remember, you used to be friends with that person that was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Well, one time when I met that person when we were in Brooklyn, she was telling me that there's a difference. In the starring and guest starring. I don't know if I trust anything she said. pay rate contracts. Okay. That's not a great source, I'm just saying. (laughs) And and I was really drunk, so I'm not a great source. (laughs) Okay, so I will say this. Before the episode began, we had a little summary of part one, and I got to see Charles cry again. It was was sweet. I was here for it. All right. So before we start, I just want to give another plug for our Patreon. If you guys um, haven't signed up, check it out. You can find it at patreon.com slash Gen X. This is why we'll also have a link on our main, pa- main page, Gen X. This is why we have two levels over there. We have some ride or die and then hero mode. So check them out. Check out the perks. I believe one of the levels includes a picture of Jenny showing genuine emotion. Should we ever catch it? So I have some exciting news about the content over there. 
What? So last night I had a dream and I'm not oh, going to give away the go. whole idea, here but, we I, go. but I dreamt a great content idea and it's going to involve putting together some quiz shows. So look for that. Yeah, and, and I think <laughs> we're going to be calling on um, some of our biggest fans to participate in this. Biggest fans slash friends who won't sue us for anything. Right, right. Yeah, in order to actually be on the podcast, guys, we have to know you and you have to know that we are poor. So you can't do us. <laughs> so again, you know, as we talked about Jenny and I independent podcasters doing this shit, you know, on yeah. Saturdays and at night after our real jobs, trying to get to a point where we can give you more content that we would love to do. And that I'm sure, you know, you would like to hear. So all of uh, those efforts are supported through Patreon, and we really, 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 really appreciate that. So thank you. All right, so let's get into the episode. We open with Laura and Charles. Laura stops by to visit Tom the turkey, and I'm like, oh, this is still a fucking Here thing, we go isn't it? It's still a fucking thing. All right, so she tells Charles breakfast is ready, and Charles says he has to work today because he missed so many days in the last week, and I'm like... Is he cheating again? Is the widow <laughs> Thurman around? <laughs> and then I was thinking, we probably, I don't know this for a fact, we probably never hear from the widow Thurman again. I i would imagine that's true. Did you ever see, I'm going to give another uh, media company a plug here. Do you ever see Funny or Die, Zach Morris's trash? Yes. I love when they do at the end, like, he probably killed himself because we never see him again. Like, and, and it's true. There are a lot of characters that seem super important for an episode, and you never oh see God. them again. Or we, well, I'm glad we're watching mostly all of season three because at least we won't just lose them again. Like, mm-hmm. Johnny Johnson, we were trashing him hard. And then it turned out that he actually left, and we just missed it. Yeah, we we ragged on Johnny Johnson real hard. <laughs> he actually went on a trip and got hustled by a hooker, and we missed the whole thing. Right. I have I have a term I want to interject into our podcast encyclopedia dictionary. Mm. Our Is podcast there one? dictionary. Are you keeping that dictionary? Yeah, like Drama Barn. Okay. It's called Carrie's Turkey. Hmm. Something is a Carrie's turkey when you have, when it's something that you have completely the back half ass backward idea about, like you have a completely turned around and wrong. Mm. It's a Carrie's turkey. So like you and multiplication. Mm. I don't know if that's going to work. Multiplication is your Carrie's turkey. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Let's just try it out. Keep trying that, Jen. I'll I'll keep keep track of that. Okay. All right, so Laura tells Charles, like, we have a problem here, Pa. Like, Carrie doesn't understand that Tom the turkey's about to be murdered. She thinks he's a pet, and Charles is like, well, it's not, and it's going to die. And it's going to be on the table in two weeks. I'm kind of with Charles on this. He's just like, this is life. This is what's going to happen. Deal with it. Me too. Like, and Charles is kind of like, well, what did she think was going to happen? And it's like, well, what did you think was going to happen, Charles, when you let your five-year-old pick out a turkey and become attached to it? I mean, she's going to learn a life lesson on Thanksgiving. But in the hierarchy of what did you think would happen, I I think Charles should bear more responsibility here. Okay. So Laura's like gathering the people for breakfast. Charles rides off and Laura runs into the sod house to gather Lansford for breakfast. And he's staring at a picture of his wife, oh boy, but he, but he seems he seems in good spirits. 
So Laura confides in Lansford, who I must say, on these shots where they're walking, he's a tall glass of water. Oh, God, what is wrong with you? Well, I don't mean he's hot. I mean he's tall. Isn't that what, like, a tall drink of water means? Like, that they're good looking? Is it drink of water nice a glass of water? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Well, you're implying that English language is my Carrie's turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, for the record, everybody, Paw's paw is not hot. I thought maybe he was (laughs) handsome. I did a lot of research. He's not, okay? The phrase is a tall drink of water. He's tall. That's all I meant. Okay. okay. Oh my God. All right. So Laura confides in him that she doesn't agree with Charles. Like she thinks that Paul's making a mistake here. And she said that Carrie's problem is everyone's problem because their family. No, nope. Nope. No. That's Carrie's problem. No. <laughs> so then Lansford says, a body's got to do what a paw says. Oh, fuck. Jenny, is that a merch alert? Do we need, do we need a, a do we need a um, shirt with that on it? I'm not writing that on a shirt. A uh, body's got to do what a paw says, and then a picture of Charles next no, to it. Like no. my body would do what paw says. No. <laughs> Laura's pulling the paw's paw maneuver. She is. She is. She is. She's like such a politician. She's like if you and I will add to Melissa Gilbert, super cute in the scene. Yeah. Um, she says, if you can think of a better idea, you can overrule Paw since you're his Paw. And then I wrote, I'm really confused by the hierarchy of Paws. I think that Laura and Willie are either going to be like the top attorneys in the United States or <laughs> villains or like bank robbers. <laughs> one or the other. True. Could be. Okay. So next we see Lansford and the girls back at the turkey farm. And apparently they're returning Tom. <laughs> And I wrote, as I often do, I write out my every single thought. So here was the thought progression. Oh, Oh, they're returning Tom. Oh, he's letting Carrie think she's returning Tom. Oh, how cute. He's going to pick a different turkey. Oh, wait. They are really returning Tom. (laughs) Carrie's excited. She says he found his mom pup. Wait, what are they going to eat at Thanksgiving? Hold on. Charles is going to be pissed. Tom is the biggest turkey there. He's a giant turkey. All the other ones are like younger, I guess, or new. Yeah. And they just let this giant, plump, delicious turkey go. Right. Which Charles is going to be pissed. Carol is going to be pissed. First of all, what turkey farm do you know lets you bring back the turkey? I mean, this was like 1880. I don't know what the rules were then. Okay. Like, God only knows what you did to that turkey. Uh Uh-huh. They're bringing back the turkey. What do you think they did to the turkey? It's still I don't alive. know. Is that is the resale value of that turkey still high? Every all the turkeys are like, dude, you got pardoned. <laughs> I just but the only thing I have? have about this scene is is Carrie a millennial? Mm. Like that Laura married and go through this. They were probably just like, there's a turkey. It's dead. Eat it. <laughs> this is the circle of life. I mean, let's think about the shit these kids have seen and dealt with. I know. She um, was this- in a well two weeks ago. She's tra- <laughs> <laughs> she's traumatized by this? Uh, okay. All right. Later, Paul and Lansford are smoking a pipe out by the drama barn. And Lansford confides in Charles that he his helping Laura really meant something to him. And then he asks Charles if he can add a porch onto the sod house. And he says Laura's going to help him. I'm sure Laura's thankful for that. Oh, great. Put me to work. Well, Laura just needs shit to do. Thank God she has something to do. 
I guess. Then he gives this weird line about reminding him, Laura reminds him so much of his wife. And I'm like, is this going to get weird? The only, <laughs> okay, I don't know how you think this is going to get weird. I don't mean sexual weird. <laughs> I mean, is he going to start fixating on Laura? I just, the only thing I have here is, wow, we cleared up that crippling depression pretty quickly. Because this yeah, guy clearly has like clinical lifetime depression. Yes. From everything we've well, heard Well, it about comes back. Yeah. It comes back. Yep. This is a temporary reprieve. Jenny, also, I feel like it's a little off-putting to hear Charles call someone Pa. I don't know why. Because he's the ultimate Pa in charge? He's Pa. Like, what is <laughs> happening? I don't know. A few days later, we see Laura and Lansford building a nice porch on the sod house. And it look, I was laughing because it looks like something out of a Wayfair catalog. Like, <laughs> you could sell that porch and the setup in a pottery barn catalog for $5,000. I like when, when they say, let's st- stand back and look at it. Like, that's the 1880s Instagram. Let's stand back and look at it. <laughs> well, and then Laura, like, all Chip and, what are their names? Chip and Joanna Gaines. The, you know, the people I'm talking about. No. Yes, you do. They, like, do all the renovations, the farmhouse style. I, have no idea. I, don't, I don't have cable TV. Laura does all that to the porch with these, like, live plants and really nice pots. And I'm telling you, again, when we talk about things being hipster, are they really old or are they hipster? You could take this porch, put it in Pottery Barn, and sell it for $10,000. Yeah. Somebody buy it. And it probably cost them... Two dollars. I don't pay. know how one buys a porch and attaches it to their house, but okay. Well, maybe you could just use it as a setting in the catalog. Yeah. And throw definitely. a rocking chair on it and sell the rocking chair for three thousand dollars. Definitely merchandising. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Lansford starts telling Laura all about the first home he built for the mother. Then he talks about how he dreamed of building her a more beautiful house, but he only gave her the small house with a nice porch. They again talk about how much Laura's like the grandmother. And again, I'm worried he's starting to become fixated on Laura her. is so easily impressed with anything. Why? Just because she's not a she's piece just of always, shit like Mary? She's just always so like overly impressed and like wants to do things. And I don't Mary'd know. Mary'd be like, life. that porch is out of square. Let me go get my. Let me get my protractor. Let me get my. What is it called? A T square. Let me go get my T square. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Later, Laura and Lansford are in a meadow. And now I have to tell you, Jenny, and I, I need to ask you if this happened to you. They're in a meadow. Laura's riding bunny. Fucking They're laughing. Bunny. They're playing. Okay. Did you start to tense up because you knew something was going to happen? Fucking bunny. But I remembered when I saw bunny. Don't I? Do I have someone that I have to apologize? <laughs> I feel like I owe yes. someone an apology yes. about bunny. Yes. And I Hold forget on. what it is. Da, da, da. <laughs> Jenny apologizes. Ready, Jenny? You owe Michael Landon a goddamn apology because when Bunny appeared, you were all like, for two episodes, you went on about <laughs> where did Bunny come from? Michael Landon's crappy. He doesn't know how to write. And then one of our memes came at you and, well, came at us, but I'm going to direct it at you. And told us exactly where Bunny came from. So go ahead. So two things in my defense. First of all, you were definitely in on some of this. You, uh, you I have no idea what you're talking about. about Michael I have no idea writing. what you're talking about. And nope. second of all, Bunny was from season one. I checked all of season two. So you basically skip an entire year and then bring this damn horse back in season three. That's still shitty writing. I'm sorry. Mm, what are they supposed to do? Just keep focusing on Bunny? 
They should have had something about it in season two. It's not called Little Bunny on the Prairie. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They should have had a little more expository material to like remind you of where Bunny came from, in case you forgot over a year and a half. I know that genuine emotion is your Carrie's turkey, but that was not an apology. <laughs> I'm sorry, Michael Landon, that I accused you of not ever writing Bunny into any script ever before. <laughs> Because you did that. Actually, you have to apologize to either the ghost of Michael Landon <laughs> or the estate holders of Michael Landon's estate. I'd rather apologize to a ghost. <laughs> okay. That's okay. That sounds okay. all right. Okay. But I'm still holding tight to its shitty writing because it took you a year and a half to get back to that. And there was absolutely no mention of it. And I want to say, this is why we have our memes. Because like, was the horse in the barn for a year and a half? Okay, see, she's still going on. All right. This is why we have our memes because Jenny just makes up shit and they call her out on it. Okay. Okay. All right, but but let's get back to this scene. Did you did you feel when Laura's laughing and riding bunny and everything's going great? Did you brace yourself? Well, I I I first pondered, does Grandpa have Lexapro? Because he's completely healed from <laughs> crippling depression. But yeah, when I saw Bunny again, I'm like, bad things are going to happen. But I, I, to be fair, I did remember what happened when I saw I Bunny. I did not. I, remember I did not. But I will tell you, like, you know, you talked a while ago in one of your whys about how, you know, the disaster fantasy, like when things are going well, you're always bracing. I I was caught yeah, myself everyone's doing too happy. that. Everyone's too happy. Yep. What's going yep. on? Okay, so Bunny runs through some barbed wire fencing, Jen. So this is Brooklyn. Why, when did Walnut Grove turn into Brooklyn? There's like razor <laughs> wire all over the place. Huh? Bunny, in his attempt to save Laura, maybe, threw Laura off safely. No, Bunny no? Flew, fell and Laura flew <laughs> off of her. Um, Bunny's not in good shape and things are not good. I have so a question. Lance, Go ahead. How many tweens have to get thrown from a horse this year at Walnut Grove? I know. I know. We need like a horse safety course. Dumbledore could probably teach it. Okay. So Lansford sends Laura to go get Charles because that's what everybody does. Go get Charles. That's a merch alert. We need a shirt that says go get paw. Well, it is her (laughs) her her parent. So that's who you would get. Jenny, everybody in that goddamn town goes to get Charles. That's true. Okay. So. Then we have Jen, dun, da, da, hero mode. But Lance, Lansford, Lansford mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is like, go run and get your paw. Laura just flew off a damn horse and almost got knocked unconscious. No, he made sure she was okay. Go run, go run across the prairie. Well, what's he going to do? I run I'm going to run prairie. and get your paw while you stay with your dying horse? Yeah. No, no. Okay. So, and he's like 60. She has, she can he's run 60. faster. That's not that old. No, but I'm saying who can run faster, a 60-year-old or a 12-year-old? A 12-year-old. Yes. I would think. It depends. Is the 60-year-old a marathon runner? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Dad and the girls on Thanksgiving. Let's get mom and the girls or dad and the girls. 100%. They could have a race. They could race. Because we got 65 and 13 there. Dad might not be able to with the hip replacement. We could get mom. Mom mom? versus the girls. Dad was a runner, though, so maybe he might be better at it. We could have, well, let's just put all of them in the race, all four of them. Well, let's do dad versus the girls and then whoever wins, you know, versus mom. <laughs> that sounds fun. We could do that outside, so it's safe. Yeah, we could do that. Okay. 
So she runs to you, Charles, and Charles snaps into hero mode. But Jen, hero mode is not complete without a shotgun. He's got the shot. Well, you so know he, why he has the shotgun. He gets the rifle. And Caroline is like, really, Charles? Really? Now, I will say this is the second time I thought Charles was going to shoot Bunny. Because if you remember, <laughs> I thought the first time he was going to. So maybe it was foreshadowing in a way. Maybe I sort of laid the groundwork for Charles to shoot Bunny. Like it was I, inevitable that he was going to shoot Bunny. Okay. Sure. Maybe. They arrive at the scene and Charles tells Lanford, Lansford to take Laura home. And Laura's crying and she's saying, there was a fence. I didn't see it. And my question is, isn't the only advantage to having eyes on your mode of transportation that they can also see the fence? <laughs> like it's true. not only up to Laura. Like Bunny can see the fence. Bunny's yeah. the one that ran through it. I don't know how horses think, though. Would you know, Bunny know that there was a fence and it was razor sharp? Well, I think it maybe it, it just could it she she just she. couldn't see it. It's kind yeah. of like I had this greyhound and it ran through a screen door because it just it just didn't know, didn't see it, yeah. didn't know what it was, just right through it. Like I've right. seen people do that too. Is that when you try to have a greyhound in an apartment? Yes. And you went out to dinner and came home and the couch was eaten. <laughs> It tried to kill the cat because apparently <laughs> they try to kill small fluffy animals because that's how they're trained on the racetrack. That cat, that. even though that cat was like 18 years old at the time, that cat maneuvered and was it fine. It probably went up high somewhere. It, 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 there was a fight. There was a struggle. There were signs <laughs> of a struggle. <laughs> Jenny had a dog for what, 20 minutes? No, we had that dog for a little while. And then, um, then my ex mother in law took. The dog. Yep. Yep. Snoop. Snoop. Snoop Dog. We named it Snoop Dog. After Here's Jenny living in this apartment with a greyhound. <laughs> like a greyhound. They're actually, no, they're apartment. actually not. They're actually good apartment dogs because they're used to, like, this was a greyhound rescued from a track and they're oh, used right. to being in small quarters. Yes. So they're actually good for an apartment. Great, okay. great dogs. You just can't have small furry animals around them. Right. Otherwise, right. they're excellent. Okay. So. Charles is trying to usher Laura out of there because he's got to shoot the dog, he's uh, the horse. He's got to shoot the dog. He's got to shoot the horse. So Laura then decides, I'm going to play paw roulette here, and I'm going to get one pit one paw against another. <laughs> and so she begs Lansford to override Charles, and right in front of Charles, Lansford overrules him. Yep. And he says, you know what? I'll try to fix her. And Charles is pissed i have an index card oh dear god so my index card is can lansford ingles heal the broken horse oh and my question or my answer is maybe because he's descended from a witch <laughs> what well, well he his there's a witch in his family there is a witch in the ingles family is this how we're going back to wiccan again no, 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 no. This, so like I said, I'm just going free form with my index card. So I had started on something else, but then I found this little tidbit of information. Oh, so you went off on a separate. So Laura Ingalls is related to someone who hung as a witch during the Salem witch trial. So like, I think I knew this. All right, who is it? Oh, I don't know who it is, but I think I knew that there was a connection to the Salem Witch Trials. So the first Ingalls in the New World was Edmund Ingalls. He was born in 1586 in Lincolnshire, England, and came to Salem in 1628. He is Lansford's great, 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 great grandfather. So he's Laura's 
seven great grandfather. Mm-hmm. Great, great to the seventh power grandfather. Side note, that dude dies in March of 1648 while traveling to Boston on horseback. So he might have been in hero mode. Wow. <laughs> he was drowned in a river because of a defective bridge. And the, and the family later sued the colony or the city or somebody. They sued somebody and got some money for it. Wow. His son, Lansford's great, 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 great grandfather, is the is the person that Laura's descended from. Charles is descended from. Mm-hmm. His daughter is Faith Ingalls Allen. Is she is the mother of Martha Ingalls Allen Carrier? This is the person who was hung as the witch, who was born between 1643 and 1650. I guess we didn't have great records in America then. Wow. Yeah, because there was a lot of that. Like born yeah. sometime between these seven years. So which one hung as the witch? Martha. Okay. So this is like Laura's great 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 aunt. Okay. His kids were among the first settlers of Andover, Andover, Massachusetts. Shortly after they arrived to Andover from Billica, Massachusetts, they moved to Andover. They were some of the first settlers. Smallpox breaks out. So guess who gets blamed? The witch. She she does. Martha and her kids get blamed for the smallpox breakout, even though it was probably. (laughs) I'm just going to call her the witch. (laughs) Even though it was probably from English settlers coming Mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. So. During this epidemic, Martha loses her father, two brothers, two nephews, two children, a sister-in-law, a brother-in-law. Holy shit. Holy shit. Um, So, you know, it's like the Noah's Ark of grief. Like, she loses, like, two of everything. Wow. The town blames her. So, on May 28, 1692, Martha was the first person in Andover, Massachusetts, to be accused of witchcraft during the Salem Witch Trials. She and her two sons, her oldest two sons, these people, everyone had like 12 kids, and her seven and a half year old daughter were arrested and held for three months waiting for trial. <sighs> Martha's two sons were hung by their heels until they confessed that they were part of witchcraft. And the judges made the daughter, forced the daughter to testify against her as well. So they made her kids testify against her. Jenny, um, this is super depressing. Shut up. I don't have more. I have more. On August 19th, 1692, she was hung while still screaming she that she, hanged. she was she was, hanged. she was hanged, hanged. She was hanged while still screaming that she was innocent from the gallows. Oh along, my God. Along with four men who were also convicted as witches. Jesus. In 1693, May, so not even a year later, the governor of Massachusetts returns from the Indian Wars and revokes all death sentences and releases all that are held imprisoned in prisons. The governor revoked the acceptance of spectral evidence in court, which effectively ended the witch trials. So do you know what spectral evidence is? Evidence that comes from ghosts or the (laughs) Puritan. Puritan magistrates used visionary girls called the Salem girls. These young girls who were like 15, 16, 17 years old were believed to have the ability to detect the presence of the devil and would provide spectral evidence to the court. Can I say something? Yeah. If you had read this to me eight years ago, I'd be like, this is freaking ridiculous. Nope. I believe it now. I'm kind (laughs) of like, oh, yeah, I could see that happening. We've been down this road before. We've been down this road before in America. Yes. Yeah. Stay tuned for 2021. But that is all in the Ingalls family. Like, that's her, that's Pa's direct descendants. Well, the witch isn't, but that, you know, like it's all on his, it's on his side. So this is why you think Lansford might be able to heal. Yeah, maybe his special powers. 
Do you think Mr. Miyagi could heal Bunny? With Reiki? Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of Reiki. I mean, I don't know. He <laughs> that much power. That's a big horse. Okay. That was an interesting index card. Good it job. Dark. It was a little mm-hmm. dark. But... A little dark. Okay. Speaking of dark, we get back to Bunny's death sentence here. Well, Bunny's laying on the ground while everyone's arguing like, oh, my God, kill me. Not making a sound. Oh, my God, kill me. Yes. But she's not. She's not fluttering around. Is she dead already? Anything. I don't know. Either that or she's really low maintenance. Because <laughs> you know when I go, Jenny, I'm going to be high maintenance <laughs> on my deathbed. <laughs> I'm going to be all screaming at everybody, wailing in pain, crying. Even if I'm just dying gently in my sleep, it'll be super okay. dramatic. Okay. Jenny, I want to ask your opinion here. Charles argues that the horse is in pain and needs to be put down. Lansford argues that he needs to try to fix Bunny to appease Laura. Who is right? Charles is right. I'm always on the side of the realist. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I actually wrote Charles is the better parent, period. Yeah, the better parent. You're going to drag this kid. You're, you're going to make this horse suffer, eh? Yep. You're going to make this kid go through longer drama that's and give her some kind of false hope that's not going to happen i mean the horse like they just they had no way to fix these types of things in those days like Mm -hmm. they're they couldn't even fix you saw how they handled nelly's broken bone for the love of god (laughs) you think they can fix a horse doc baker um i wrote the better parent does the hard thing because he knows he being charles All that will happen is Lansford will attempt to tend to Bunny. It won't work. Bunny will suffer more. And Laura will inevitably end up devastated either way. Yep. You don't make promises you know you can't keep. Yep. Yep. So Charles wins this argument. Lansford tells Laura he can't fix Bunny. And Laura calls him a liar and runs off. Jenny, I have written here, Jesus Christ, dude. Maybe Charles should have had a little grandpa tried to burn himself to death in the house chat before he moved in. So everybody would realize, like, he's in kind of a fragile state. Let's yeah. not call him a liar. Well, and, and my initial instinct was kind of to go there and be like, Laura has to realize that people are more important than animals. Like, this is her grandfather. But then I'm like, she's a kid. And like, he, this, this guy has to understand that he's dealing with a child, the grandfather, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. has to handle that appropriately like it's it's on him ultimately but he's also in a super fragile state he literally tried to burn himself to death in his own bed the, hence the crippling depression like a week ago yeah so charles should have been like hey hey family gather around come here gather around i know but the problem with char like charles wasn't finish, there when the grandfather my, made this crazy promise let me finish my reenactment please oh god hey family gather around gather around Grandpa's in a little weird state, okay? So let's just be super nice to him. And let's just go easy. Okay, here he is. Like, you have that conversation as you're moving him back. But I don't know if they even understood that. Like, I don't know if that would have been a thought. I don't know if it takes 2020 perspective to think someone who wants to die and kill themselves that you should be nice to them. Yeah, but did they realize that that was something that would continue or that now that he saved and pulled out of the house and with his family, he's fine? You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe. We know that continues, but. 
Yeah, she, this was rough. Okay, anyway, as Laura <laughs> runs away, she hears a gunshot. <laughs> and with that, R.I.P. Bunny. Yep. In in memoriam, Bunny. You know what? Fine. I'm fine she's, with that. She's gone. Bye Forever. Bye. Yeah. Now, see, Jenny, now we have an end to her that we saw. Right. We know what happened to Bunny. Yes. We still don't know where Bunny went originally and how she came <laughs> back, but. Okay. The men arrive home and they're all somber and shit. I mean, they just killed their kid's horse. Another fun day on the Ingalls farm. Charles tries to talk to Lansford, but he's not in the mood. He arrives at the sod house and Laura has smashed all of the flower pots on the porch. That I would have had a problem with. That's a Nelly move. That's a Nelly move. That's a Nelly move. She's being a Nelly. Laura should have been reprimanded for that. That is not okay. A hundred percent. That is not okay. That night, Jen, dinner's pretty depressing. <laughs> I have super fun dinner at the angle. <laughs> Grandpa's not coming to dinner because he's in the sod house crying. And Laura is sleeping. And Charles is what I call super praying. <laughs> God help us all. <laughs> the next day, the family's getting ready to go somewhere. I'm assuming church and then the, yep. the picnic after. Yep. Laura doesn't want to go, but Jen, Caroline tells her, God will help you through this. And I baked an extra pie because that's what I do. She baked an extra pie for Mr. Edwards. Yeah, like why is Mr. Edwards getting an extra pie? <laughs> like just for fun? I don't know. Because okay. he's Paul's, he's Paul's buddy. Right. He's Paul's ride or die. Yep. He gets <laughs> all the treats. Charles goes to fetch grandpa and I 100% expect to find him dead in that sod house. <laughs> I'm like, how, how is he dead in the sod house? Cause he's dead. How There's no other. Burned down. That's his, that's his <laughs> MO. There's no other outcome here. He's dead in that sod house. But Did you no, not remember this at all? You didn't remember no. this at all. But no, he's alive. Yeah. He's alive. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't want to come out. So. I get it. Maybe at this point, Pa should like send Laura in there and be like, you need to apologize to your grandfather. You're being a brat about this. I mean, I have that thought. I keep wanting to blame Laura for this. But then I remember this is a grown ass man and he, he needs to act like an adult and deal with this. Like Laura's a kid. She doesn't understand these nuances. Like he needs True. to man up. True. After church, the family's at a picnic. Laura's in a tree by herself, staring Outing. at the trunk. Outing in a tree. And Charles is chatting with his buddy Edwards. Edwards Edwards is trying to get him to chew some tobacco, and he doesn't understand why people are smoking. This uh, is an anti-smoking ad. The, the, the way he explains smoking, which I didn't write down, was hilarious. I forget. I don't have it. He said something like, I don't understand why people just want to roll up leaves in a paper and put it to their face and light it on fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's really but it's good. like it's like a mini anti-smoking ad. I guess, or it's like a chew instead of smoke ad. I don't know. Chew is so gross. So gross. I'm sorry, listeners, if you chew. I apologize, but it's kind of gross. I think smoking's gross too. So how many opportunity? Shamer. Okay, he reassures Charles that he did the right thing, but Charles is like, "I'm more worried about my paw than I am about Laura. Like Laura will be fine." Mm -hmm. Yeah, Laura will get over it. Yep. And he that's said, what I feel like, like grandpa has to understand. It's like, this is a kid. She'll get over it. Just she'll be over it in a day or two. Hmm. Like just yes. chill about it. Don't get all dramatic. Right. He says, Charles tells, tells Edwards that the last few days, his paw has been brought to life. But yesterday he died inside. 
And it reminds Charles of when they lost the family farm. And then we get a little story. Story time with Charles. More of of the clear evidence of severe depression in Charles' family. (laughs) Charles was 11 or 12, guys, when some dude comes by the house and said they had to get out. Like, that was it. I'm here. You have to get out. No eviction notice. I mean, they didn't have laws like that in those days. There was no protections. No. So his paw was so upset because he didn't want the kids to hear this. And Charles says it was that day in that living room that his paw got old. So Basically, then, he's saying Edwards fix this. Yeah, he is. He is. And Edwards probably can fix it. So then Charles goes to walk off and Edwards takes care of it. Because he steps up and fix talks it. to Laura. Yep. Edwards tells Laura they're hanging out in the tree together. How he blamed God when his wife and his daughter died. And, you know, really it was nobody's fault because sometimes things just happen. And sometimes, Jen, people make promises they can't keep because they just love people too much. I think Edwards is telling her to blame God and just move on. (laughs) (laughs) Laura apologizes to Edwards and I wrote, wrong person, wrong person. She's saying to Edwards, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No. Go tell it to your grandfather. Well, yeah. He's like, start with close to hanging himself in your sod house. Again, so she, not something Lori's going to understand. So she runs off to the sod house. Okay. When she gets there, Jen, what does she find? A suicide note. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. You know, it's, it's like, um, so there's a theory in writing called Chekhov's Gun. And it's a dramatic principle oh, that states every element in a story must be necessary. So if you put a gun on the table in scene one, it needs to be it fired to at some used. point. Yep. Yeah. I feel like they've checked, they've checked off guns us here. I can't say that right. I can't use it as a verb. But they've they've done this to us because they float this suicide thing and it's like constantly overshadowing everything now. Yeah, but that's not the the analogy is not correct because he tried to commit suicide. Like right. a thing happened. That's an but event. But it's not resolved. That's not a random object. Maybe it's his his uh, depression then. You yeah, know what not, I mean? Like, but that's not a thing in 1880. So they're not going to solve that in 1880. Right. It's just it's scary. Okay, but I just feel like it it overshadows and colors everything. I always yeah. think this guy's going to be dead. Well, yeah. Okay. Jenny, the letter is to Laura and he begs for her forgiveness. And then it ends with a very ominous goodbye. Later, Charles returns home after a day of looking for Lansford. Edward is out looking as well. Of course he is. Of course he is. Yeah. They're searching for someone again. Charles is like, let's just give up. He doesn't want to be found. Let's just give up. Um, Charles is done with it. And I don't blame him. Charles is... D-O-N-E, looking for people. I, don't, I do not. Well, and it seems like this is a constant theme with his father. Like he's, he's just, he, his father is very, very selfish. Yeah. Like this yeah. is about him. This is about, I'm just running well, away. It's being very, very selfish. So Because he knows this is going to upset Laura. He writes her a note. Like she's going to blame herself. Of course she is. Right, but you have to understand that sometimes depression can mask as selfishness. Yeah, totally. He's no, not thinking it. straight. He's not yeah. doing these things maliciously. Right, but he's done this Charles his whole life. Yes. It's yeah. all and it's 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 a selfish behavior whether it's intentional or not. 
It's not. And he needs he needs help for the depression yeah. is the yeah. problem. Okay. Yep. And All right. like a hundred years too early. So. Uh-huh. so Jenny, the next morning, Edwards comes by ready reporting for duty. <laughs> and Charles tells Edwards, I'd like to go to Springfield just to check the train station. And just as they're about to leave, Caroline asks, has anyone seen uh, Laura? Father. And I wrote, oh, for fuck's sake. Get the hero mode revved up. (laughs) And then, did you catch this? I don't know if you caught this. Charles curses the day he ever saw Bunny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I missed that. He he said some line. I'm paraphrasing. But he says some line about, like, I'm done with that damn horse like a year ago. Yes. Meanwhile, in Springfield, Lansford is attempting to jump on a train. And he pretty much mimics exactly what would happen to me where I would throw all my stuff onto the train car and then just be unable to have the body, upper body strength to lift myself into the train. So So I I just have that grandpa's hoboing or not. Now he has no stuff and he burned his house down. Grandpa sent his, grandpa's stuff took a train ride to Wisconsin. And he burned his house down, don't forget. (laughs) Okay. Back at the Ingles, now wait, this gets crazier. Because <laughs> back at the Ingles, Pa and Edwards return to find Laura has stolen the oh, family's Christmas money. Ripped up, robbed her family. <laughs> oh my God, this kid. She, she took all of their Christmas money, which is $4, which is a lot. Yeah. Okay, so Charles puts two and two together that she must have gone to Springfield to get on the train. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, my God, she didn't run away because she was upset about Bunny. She ran away looking for Grandpa. I can't believe they just got around to this conclusion. (laughs) I know. (laughs) All right. In Springfield, Laura arrives at the train station, tries to buy a ticket to Wisconsin. She asks the conductor dude or the guy working the counter. I don't know what he's called. Do you know my grandfather? He's old, has a mustache, and is wearing a blue coat. So half the population. And then he's like, come around back, little girl. And of course, Laura does. I know. I know. Well, Mary would have been like, do you have a car I could get into? (laughs) The dude shows her to the back room where Grandpa is recuperating from his fall. And Jenny, I have a question for you. What if someone found you lying drunk on a subway platform? (laughs) Just let's pretend that that is happening to you. And pulled you into a dark back room. Would you lie on a bed and touch your head to that pillow? No, I'd be fighting them. And <laughs> this is why you have to have good friends because you end up on a subway platform passed out. If you yeah, don't. yeah, yeah. What does it say about me that in this scene I was so hyper-focused on, like, the ickiness of putting your head on that pillow? Okay. Oh, God. Laura apologizes to Lansford and asks him to come home with her, but he refuses. She begs, he refuses. He starts crying, and we now realize that he feels guilty for not bringing the mother out to see Charles when she wanted to. Yeah, dude, you should have. Yeah, this guy's an ass. I don't blame Charles for not wanting him around. We learned he wanted to impress Charles, but his luck never turned around, so he couldn't go. See, this is the problem with people. It's all a pride thing. It's all about freaking pride. Yep. He tells Laura to go home and she leaves. But Jen, she walks out to the counter and tries to buy a ticket to Boston. Like a boss. She's always wanted to see the East Coast. Yes, she has. Now, wait, did you pick up what happens next? Did you pick up on this? 
Uh, is this when they, they're, when they're, is it Edwards and Charles? No, no, no. Lansford overhears this and confronts her. Laura says she was going to run away anyway. The only reason she oh, stayed. Oh, she pulls, she pulls Lansford's move on. Yep. Was yeah. because the only reason she stayed was because of Lansford and Bunny. Lansford falls for this. And then I wrote, oh my God, they're reenacting the Charles running away from home scene in the beginning. The young Charles. Lansford invented this. Only this time, Laura's playing the role of the gaslighter. <laughs> She's learned a lot from her experience. Yep. And, and I have to admit, I was impressed that they tied this back together. Because mm. normally you don't get that kind of tightening sure. up at the end. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Good point. <laughs> like, maybe wow. he took, maybe, maybe Michael Landon took a writing class finally. Maybe he did. Like a uh, master's class, you know, those, <laughs> those, um, advertised writing classes. You could take one with Margaret Atwood, <laughs> Stephen King. Yeah. Oh, I also wrote here, like, this is completely crazy. Holy shit. I miss the good old days of Edwards just fishing his hooch jug from the river and getting loaded on the job. Yep. Like, yep. What happened to those days? Okay. Now we come across some fuzzy math and fuzzy geography. I know. I'm so confused <laughs> as to what was happening. Because we cut to Charles and Edwards riding to Springfield, and Edwards clearly says they are a couple hours out. Well, he and he says the fog slowed us down last night. Mm-hmm. So, because Springfield's like what? Do we say 120 miles or something? Mm-hmm. Jen, they come across Lansford and Laura just walking across a meadow. Like, are they just walking down the road from Springfield? Like, is that? And how long were these two people walking? Well, if they are hours of- from Springfield. Oh yeah, they're they sure. must have been walking since they must have started the night before. I don't know. I guess you have what what other option do you have? They have no money. Oh Laura has money. Why didn't they just hire Laura an has Uber? Stolen money. There's Uber. We know that from Harriet Nels. <laughs> right. The uh creepy, cranky <laughs> Uber. So we have a touching reunion scene with Charles and Laura and Ch- Charles and his paw. They jump in the back of the wagon. Everybody heads home. Then we have a Laura voiceover, which I love. I love the Laura voiceovers. Our voiceovers she's, not the best. Well, because she's probably no, but she's probably narrating directly from the book. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's good writing. Okay, so it's good writing. So she says that Grandpa stayed with them through the long winter, and he was happy. But in the spring, he had to go back home. Then we get a little scene at the end with Lansford and Laura saying goodbye. And grandpa essentially tells her he has to go home and die next to grandma. Yep. Okay. That's uplifting. Yeah. Like, why does he have to go back? I don't know. He has to be near her when he dies. Oh boy. Okay. Lansford says, okay, are you ready? Now he's going to try to absolve himself of all of his guilt and sins. Okay. Lansford says when he sees grandma, he's going to tell her all about Laura. And then it'll be like she was there with them after all. And he did keep his promise. Nope. No, she's dead. She's a corpse. No, she's dead, dude. No. You might be able to apologize to a ghost like Jenny. There's no ghost. There's a dead body. You can apologize to a ghost, but you cannot change history with a ghost. This is it. No revisionist history allowed. Okay. So that's the end of the episode, Jen. What'd you think? It ended in tears. Laura's tears. Yeah, sure. Um, it, it was okay. Like this, this pause, pause, it got really dramatic and like, in not a fun way, not in a Carrie fell down a well kind of way. 
But can we talk about why it's called Journey into Spring? I guess because it's spring and he's going back home now. That's the only tie-in I can find. And why do we need two episodes for that? I don't know. Shouldn't it be called Grandpa's Long Winter? <laughs> it was the long friggin' story arc is what it should have been called. Yeah. Or or can it be called, you know, the body does what a paw says? Ew. That is so weird. That is so weird. So, Jenny, as we do all every week, whose fault is this? So I think Edwards nailed this with it's God's fault. Just blame God, call it a day, move on. Wow. <laughs> okay. That absolves everyone. Okay. All right. I, I wanted to blame the fence asshole because if you catch it, Laura says there wasn't a fence here before. So somebody Oh, and then put, Charles says something about it. Somebody too. put a razor fence up without putting a sign. That's a dick move. Yeah, that's a dick move. Yeah. But I didn't blame him because if it wasn't Bunny dying, Lansford just would have overpromised on something else. else. So my blame lies on Lansford. You don't promise a kid things, you know you can't deliver. That's it. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. All right. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I go back and we talk about a theme or a lesson that we took from this either on the original viewing when we were just little lads or on the rewatch. Sure. That doesn't have to be gender specific. Okay. So Jenny, what is your why? So this is why I'm super glad I moved away and didn't have kids because I'm just not into multi-generational drama. It's just not my scene. (laughs) Like all those parents and kids and kids fighting with grandparents and Jesus Christ. (laughs) I don't want to be a part of that. That's not true. You were very close to our grandparents. I know, but I don't want to be part of it now. Like <laughs> as an adult, as a kid, when I was the role of the grandkid, it was fine. Since I am your only sibling, I don't want to be the I role am the, of the parent. I am the only sibling. Your only sibling. I am the only one in our family, obviously, with grandchildren. Mom and dad, you know, we're not super close to their relatives. I feel like you're directing this at me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like you don't want to be part of, part of my family. I'm saying I'm glad I live away so I can come down here and chill and then go home for like a holiday for a week and, and, and be in that drama for a week and then walk away from it again. I'm going to tell my kids to blow up some crazy drama at Thanksgiving to get in a fight with dad. <laughs> like I think when I was the, in the role of the grandchild, it was fine. But being in the role of the parent in this situ in this scenario sucks. Like, Charles is in a shitty situation no matter what happens. Well, that's a good transition to my why. (laughs) (laughs) This is why being a parent is a thankless fucking job that sucks so much at times. And conversely, at other times, it's so amazing your heart feels like it might explode. It's a total mind fuck (laughs) is what I have. When Laura said this to the grandfather, who she has known five minutes... And the horse. You haven't known the grandfather five minutes. She has spent five minutes with this man. They're, they're not close. They don't see each other ever. They've seen each other before, though. It's okay. Like never met when him. she said that her grandfather and that horse were the only things keeping her from running away, 
I wanted to scream. How about the parents who work their asses off to give you life's necessities? The father who almost works himself to death after falling and she's from a using, tree. But she's using it to gaslight and manipulate him. So she has to use that scenario. But she still she sided with Lansford over Pa. She a did. Times. That made me pissed off. I was like, I would not be okay with that. Jenny, how about the mother who nearly lost a leg baking pies for your town? She gets zero credit. Zero credit. Like, I, I understand Mary being a piece of shit and Carrie worthless, but you stay for Pa and Ma. I mean, they just <laughs> knock themselves out. But she she's manipulating Lansford. <laughs> she is, so but... That's the story she has to tell. But the whole problem stemmed from her picking Lansford yeah, I know. over Charles. Because he's the new person in town. So that's where That's who gets her attention. It's crazy. And it enraged me. Like, I was viscerally angry last night. I was, I had a visceral reaction to this episode. It was, I was really mad for well, Charles. When, when Laura sided with Lansford and was walking away and said to him, don't let him do anything or something. Like, and was like siding this whole thing. I was like, this is why I can't have kids. Cause I'd be like, do you want me to shoot you too? Like, I will. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause I, it was enraging. I can't remember yeah. being a parent scenes. Like, where you're like, are you kidding me right now? And I'm sure you deal with this all the time. Think about what Insubordination. Insubordination. <laughs> Disrespect. Caroline, you know, her misery and her suffering is kind of a slow burn that is in the background. <laughs> but think of what Charles has physically been through trying to keep these kids happy. Yep. I mean, just to put shoes on their feet, they have to go through a whole crazy thing. He has to, just to buy dishes for the house, he has to bang a widow. I he mean, like, he like, shot Bunny on the day Laura found her. <laughs> <laughs> Is this Bunny's fault? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> well, we need to know how Laura, Mimi's come at us. We need to know how Laura got Bunny back. Right, because that's my whole point. Is like, okay, there was a Bunny episode in season one, but where has she been? Well, and when did she come back into the scene? Right. So Laura traded Bunny away for the stove. Right. All right. So then when we have the episode Bunny, okay, with the wheelchair, Bunny is still Nellie's. But is it, has it just been hanging out in a barn and no one's oh, talked wait, about I it for answered, a year and a half? Wait, I just answered my own question. Bunny is still Nellie's at that point. I know, but like Nellie's for a year. Or a bunny at the end. Before a year. No one has talked about this horse. No one has seen this horse. Oh, it's Nellie's. It was probably like away in a stable somewhere. I think it would get mentioned at some point, or they'd walk by it on their way home from well, school. Especially if you knew it was going to acknowledge be, it. If you knew it was going to be such a vital yes, character. That's what I'm saying, like it just it's it's gone completely. We see more of Nell's fucking dog than we do of this horse. That's true. That's true. Okay. All right. Are we calm down now? Let's, let's <laughs> I never want to talk about bunny again. Can we just make bunny's that? Promise? Dead. Can we just never, dead. never mention the word bunny again. Bunny's dead. Good. So Jenny, why don't you tell everybody what we're doing next? Uh, we are doing the bully boys. Is that no? The I lied. Episode? I lied. Fred. Fred. Okay. I'm super excited for the bully boys because I hear it's Reverend Alden centric. I love Fred because it's about a billy goat. Oh, God. Goats are insane. So after working temporarily for some neighbors, Laura decides to take their problematic billy goat instead of money. Gosh, it's 
stupid. The neighbors are thrilled to have Fred off their hands, but now the Ingalls family is forced to deal with him. He's not exactly an ideal family pet. I think it's going to be funny. Why are we watching this? Because I, I want to, because I like Billy Goats. <sighs> You're going to make me watch that when the next episode, I think, is Reverend Alden manhandling some boys. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll play your game. All right. Um, so, again, guys, thanks for the support you've shown over the last couple weeks on Patreon. We appreciate it. Check out our levels there. Check out our perks. Please consider supporting the podcast. We don't want to have to, like, be bought up by big tech and then be all censored and I mean, stuff. That would be great if we got bought up by <laughs> We want to buy us. Facebook for sale. Buy us. All right. Um, so, yeah, check us out there. Find us on Facebook. We are under Gen X This Is Why. You can also join our Facebook group, The Mimi Bees, which, you know, is the place to be. Right, Jen? It's, yeah, it's amazing. Okay. Uh, thanks, guys, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Gen X This Is Why. To better support us, consider signing up for our Patreon. You can find information about our levels, bonus content, and all other perks at genxthisiswhy.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at the same handle, genxthisiswhy, letter X, spell out the Y. Thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting your independent podcasters. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.